I believe we all were honest. We have been guilty of taking God's mercy for granted. Uh, I don't want to run through everything I preach, but just for sake of anyone uh, that may not have heard the first two sermons, uh, Ezra, uh, this book of Ezra records the Jews who have come back from the Babylonian captivity after 70 years. In 538 B.C., God raised up a man named Cyrus the Great who went in and defeated Babylon. And in a providential working of God, don't let that word providence scare you. If you break it down, it literally means to provide in advance. Aren't you glad that He can see tomorrow when I can't even see what's going on today? And we sing a song, many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. And I thank God for that this seed. And God raised up Cyrus, and God allowed him to free the Jews and to go back to their homeland and rebuild the temple. So when we come to Ezra 9, the temple... Reconstruction is well underway. Uh, they have begun the sacrifices again. But Ezra is made aware of a sin. And the sin is this, uh, that God's people have become in love with the world. They have made marriages and alliances uh, with the Canaanites and the Gentiles, the, Pezer- the Perizzites, Hittites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Termites, all of them. Uh, they made allegiances and made marriages with those. And the reason the Lord spoke against that is because with the marriages often came the false gods uh, that would turn their heart away from the Lord. Uh, It was not against God's law for a Gentile to marry into the Jews, but that Gentile had to forsake their gods and their old way of life. That's what Ruth did. That's what Rahab the harlot did. They forsook those old gods, forsook that old life. By the way, we are a bunch of Gentiles and we're marrying a Jew for Jesus Christ was a Jew. But you know how you get saved? You repent. You turn on that old life. You turn on that old sinful life and you turn to Christ. And amen, you take Him till death and you'll never part. Thank God for that. And so Ezra's made aware of this sin. And we've been preaching verses 5 through 15 of this chapter. This is the prayer of Ezra. And in this prayer, it has a theme. And here is the theme. Ezra is afraid and he is worried about the fact that he and the rest of the children of Israel have taken the mercy of God for granted. God had done so much for the nation of Israel. God had done so much to bring them back out of Babylonian captivity to allow Babylon to pay for the reconstruction of the temple that they had destroyed some 70 or 80 years before. And I don't know about you tonight, we could all testify uh, if we had the right heart and the right mind tonight. We could all testify tonight and say God has done a lot for us. Amen. He has been very gracious to us. God's been very merciful to us tonight. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, Jeremiah said, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning and grace. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you glad the mercy of the Lord endureth forever? Ezra is very well aware that God's mercy has been extended and shown to the nation of Israel. But in this prayer, he has that concern uh, that they've taken God's mercy for granted. Here's the application I'm making. Uh, we get right with God. Uh, we confess a sin. God deals with us about something in our life. And we get that area right with God. Uh, but then like the old proverb, we go right back to that sin and we go right back to what God forgave us and brought us out of. You know what we're doing when we do that? We are taking the mercy of God uh, for granted. 
granted. I want to remind us tonight we'll never be sinless, uh, but we all can sin less uh, than what we do. Amen. The Bible said, Therefore him uh, that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know it's good to do something and you don't do it, it's a sin. But if you flip that around, if you know it's wrong to do something and you go and do that, uh, that is a sin. And I want to remind us tonight uh, that sin breaks the heart of God. Uh, sin uh, worries and weighs on the heart of God. I tell you, every sin we commit uh, was paid for on the cross of Calvary uh, by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what will help us in taking the mercy of God for granted. We need to walk by Calvary again. Uh, we need to walk by that place uh, where He was made sin for us uh, who knew no sin, uh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. A preacher made the statement this morning, I agree 1,000%. Uh, Jesus was made sin for us, uh, but He did not become a sinner. Amen. He became the representation of sin. And God took out His wrath on His own Son. It'd be like one of my boys uh, committing something wrong, doing something wrong, and there was a discipline to pay. Uh, but Brother Richie standing up and saying, you know what, I'm going to take their discipline. Uh, whatever they did wrong, I want you to discipline me uh, for what they did. That's exactly what God did. Uh, my sins nailed Him to the cross. I, the Bible said for... I'm, I ain't read my text yet, amen. The Bible said for the wages of sin is death. That's what I had coming to me. Oh, that was what's going to happen. Oh, but Jesus stepped forward and He took my punishment and He took the discipline uh, that I deserved. Amen. By the way, it wasn't just my individual discipline and punishment He took, uh, but He took your sin and He took your punishment and He took your beating. It pleased the Lord to bruise Him. The prophet Isaiah said, how about you though? If somebody's done that for me, I don't want to take that for granted. I just don't want to treat that flippantly. Oh, but I want to go to church and I want to sing to Him. And I want to go to church and I want to worship Him. And I want to read the Bible. And I want to pray. I don't want to take the mercy of God for granted. But so often we do that, don't we, church? We don't think much of Calvary. We don't think much. And I said we, we, we. Just like Ezra did in this text. We take the mercy of God for granted. We, we preached on this. We all reflect on God's mercy we ought to rejoice in God's mercy. But tonight I want to emphasize this last thought. I feel like this is where the Lord will have us finish up tonight. We must respect God's mercy. I want to say three or four things out of the rest of this chapter and make a, make a comment out of chapter 10 and we'll go home. But talking about respecting God's mercy, I want to say first of all, I want us to note the disobedient conduct. Look at verse number 9 for sake of context. For we were bondmen, I preached this Sunday morning, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving, to set up the house of our God and repair the desolations thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. He said, God, You've done all these things for us. So look at verse 10. Notice the disgust of the servant. The disgust of the servant. Look at verse 10. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? You know what Ezra is? He's speechless in this text. He said, Lord, you have done all this stuff for us, and look how we're living. After all God had done, they rebelled. Tonight, folks, this congregation, ladies and gentlemen, if we were to list out all the things that God has done for us, and then line it up to the way we live our life, it makes you speechless, don't it? 
How can I do that? Why? You ever, you ever just get sick and tired of yourself? If you don't, we do. I promise you, amen. But you ever get sick and tired of you? You ever get sick and tired? Why do I? I tell you why you got that flesh. And I want, I want to remind us, I want to admonish us all tonight uh, that we need to get disgusted at ourselves. The disgust of the servant, the disregard of the saints. Verse 10, for we have forsaken thy commandments. I want to emphasize in verse 9, the Lord did not forsake them in their bondage, but they have forsaken his precepts in verse 10. They had, they had disregarded his word. Well, I know what God said, but He's alright with this. Well, I know what the Bible says, but me and God, I know this is the backbone of the church, but I know how our minds work. And when we start justifying our sin, Amen. I mean, we, I mean, it's wrong for you to do that, but me and God's got an agreement about this. You just gotta understand where I'm at. We gotta, we gotta, we're, hey, I, I, I hate other sin, but you know what? I need to hate my sin more than I hate other sin. Amen. There is, there is the disregard of the saints, the discussion of the service, but there's the demand of the Scriptures. Verse 11 and 12, He said, Which thou hast commanded thy servant by the prophet, saying, The land which you go in to possess is unclean land, with filthiness of the people of the land, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their uncleanness. Now therefore, give not your daughters unto their sons, neither take their daughters unto your sons, nor seek peace or, or their wealth forever, that you may be strong and eat of the good of the land, and leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. It was a command that was declared. He said, that Which I was commanded by the servant, Servants, the, uh, by thy servants, the prophets. In other words, here's what he's saying. The Ezra's saying, Lord, you sent preachers to us. You sent prophets to us. And I know they didn't have a, I understand they didn't have a full Bible. They had that Old Testament Torah, the first five books. I understand that. I had that law of Moses. He said, but Lord, you sent prophets and they warned us not to do this, not to go there. But you know what they did? They do what people still do today in 2023. They disregarded preaching. Well, that's just his opinion. Now, I do have opinions, and by the way, you have opinions too. It's amazing. Everybody can have an opinion but the preacher, amen. But everybody's got opinions. Opinions are like armpits. Most everybody has two, and they both stink, amen. Uh, but what I'm telling you tonight uh, is, is these men were not preaching their opinions. They were preaching what thus saith the Lord, but they disregarded God's Word. You know why God, it was a declared commandment? It was a stink commandment. He said, when you go and possess that land, it's unclean. He said, don't give your sons, don't give, don't give your children to the world. That's what he's saying. Don't give your children to them. Don't let your sons and daughters... I tell you, they're precious. Don't do that. And it was a design command. Verse 12, look at the latter part. Here's why God gave these commands. That you may be strong and eat of the good of the land. And leave it for an inheritance to your children forever. I hope you understand. I'm skipping a lot of this tonight for sake of time. But he said, the reason I put these rules on you is so you'll have something to give in the next generation. That way you'll be able to pass it down to the generations. Well, why is the Bible against this? Why is the Bible against that? Because there is a design in mind. It affects our children. These commandments, these laws, these rules are designed for the benefit and the blessing of the children of Israel. I wrote this down. Before you move a fence, it would be wise to see why it was placed there to begin with. Amen. It'd be wise to know why somebody put a fence there. Amen. There is, the, there is first of all, the disobedient conduct. But secondly, I would emphasize in verse 13, the divine compassion. Watch the recompense of judgment. I know I'm, I know I'm rushing quickly. Somebody said, why do you do that? Well, I'm doing outline books now, so maybe if I rush quickly, you won't get it all wrote down. You'll buy my outline books. Amen. 
I'm just kidding. You can smile. It's all right. But the recompense of judgment. Look in verse number 13. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass. That little phrase, all that has come upon us, refers to this Babylonian captivity. I'm reminded, uh, i got to be careful, but I'm reminded of what Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. I was in a meeting recently. And uh, I, I heard this gentleman uh, preaching, and uh, had two preachers last night, and uh, Brother Joe Arthur preached last preached a great sermon last night. Uh, but there was a gentleman preaching before, and he was and, and, and he was okay. Uh, but he made a statement that made me scratch my head, and, and he said, uh, "He said I've heard these independent Baptist preachers say all my life uh, that you get away from God, uh, God's going to whoop you and all that. But God loves you, and God wants to bring you back." He said, he ain't mad at him. And he basically preached against the chastising hand of God. I, Paul Moss across the auditorium. Children, you're not supposed to text in church. I whipped my phone out and said, guess he hadn't read Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He, you know why he does that? Because he wants you to come back. I agree with that statement. But sometimes God will send some chastisement and some judgment in to get our attention. To hey, you need to get back over here. The recompense of judgment. Oh, but I love this. I love preaching through these verses. Look at the restraint of Jehovah. Look at verse 13. Oh, you've got to see this verse right here. He said, and after all this has come upon us uh, for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, look at the restraint of Jehovah. Seeing that thou art God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. He said, Lord, you punished us, but you didn't punish us like we should have been punished. Come on, we're, we're older now, Brother William. You're the grand. We call you Grandpa because you're the oldest of the ones, right? But we come in the same generation. You did too. We all we we three got whoopings. Oh, yeah. And now standing back now, we probably we probably should have got more than what we did. Yeah. Now we ain't gonna let our parents know that because all three of our daddies would probably take us up on that. <laughs> I feel a kindred spirit right here with these three. But Matthew will throw you in too. All right. But that's what Ezra saying. Said, Lord, you punished us. And you punish us a whole lot less than what we deserved. You know what that is? I wrote down in my Bible next to it. You know what that is? That's mercy. That's what, that's what mercy is. The restraint of Jehovah. You remember over there uh, when David sent a number in the people and the Lord sent that plague through the land and that angel came through uh, slaying those men and the Lord told that angel to stop. He said, you just stop. That's enough. Oh, you ought to thank God that God says it's enough. He stopped over that or the threshing floor of Orton and the Jebusite. And Ezra said, you punish us a whole lot less than what we deserve. By the way, you don't want to take the mercy of God for granted. You better realize that the punishment, the judgment you've suffered. Hey, we've all been punished. We've all been chastised. And it's a whole lot less than what we deserve. Because I want to remind you tonight, we shouldn't be in church on a Wednesday night. We ought to all be in hell for eternity. So He has punished us less than what we deserve. Then there's the rescue of the Jews. And that's given us such deliverance as this. He said, Lord, not only did you... Not only did you punish us less what we deserve, but Lord, you brought us back. You brought us back. That's mercy. That's mercy, church. That's mercy. That leads me, number three, to verses 14 and 15. The disrespectful compromise. This is where we live in verse 14. The repeated insult. Should we again break thy commandments? Did you notice that little phrase? Should we again break thy commandments, and join affinity with the people of these abominations? This is not a question asking for permission. This is, Lord, are we really going to go through this again? 
Again, that's the key word in that verse. He said, Lord, we're going to mess up and we're going to do this all over again. The repeated insult. You know why, and the Lord's worked this in my own heart, you know why people struggle with sin so much? You know why I struggle with sin so much? You ready? Because we don't know what real repentance is. Real repentance is missing in our churches today. The Bible said Paul was preaching to that church at Corinth. He said, For godly sorrow worketh repentance. Now, did you know that repentance is not regret? You could, you could regret something, that's not repentance. Boy, I hate that happen. But you go back and do it again, that's regret. Remorse is not repentance. Boy, I hate that happen. That's not repentance. You know what repentance is? I ain't going to let that happen again. And I'm not going that direction again. I, I, I don't know why there's a bunch of people, a bunch of preachers, not people, there's a bunch of preachers that just die over the word repent. I don't get it. I'm like, it's really not that hard, fellas. Uh, they've got their dispensations. And I'm a dispensation. They've got their dispensations woo, 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 all, all over the place. You know what repentance is? I was going that way, but now I'm going that way. It's a change of direction. It's a change. And by the way, it starts in the mind, but it don't stop in the mind. It manifests itself in the body. Amen. Real repentance is missing. I quoted this the other week off the cuff, and I went and found it because I wanted to quote Brother Simpson correctly. But Brother Chris Simpson made this statement, if we would be more concerned about breaking the heart of God, then we would not break the laws of God. Breaking His heart. I'll be married to that girl 11 years tomorrow. Bless her heart. She ought to be allowed to go to heaven whether she's saved or not. Say amen, Patty and Janice. That's right. Glad you, all right, you can go back to sleep now. Uh, but what I'm saying is, uh, you know, sometimes husbands do stupid things. Hey, boy, I feel we're having revival. Somebody get a tent out here. We're going to have a revival meeting. Hey, man, we're just going to get some sawdust savings and a barbecue cooker. We're going to have revival. Hey, man. But men, and, and by the way, you know, sometimes ladies do things too that come Oh, the men are like, hey, man. She ain't here. We won't tell her, brother. Okay. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> that was William. <laughs> but you know, we ought not purposely want to break and hurt one another and do something that would hurt or offend one another. Sometimes it happens in life because we're human and we're flesh and we're all goofy and self-centered. Amen. But you know, you know why? You know why I don't want to step out on my wife? One, because I love her. Two, I'm afraid she'd kill me. She's from Union County. She would, amen. You talk about all these people that, that are, you know, just... Daxon finds that hilarious that his mother would kill his daddy. He knows that happened. We're going to Disney World. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're going to be having my funeral. My family's going to be sitting there crying with their Mickey Mouse ears on with their bags packed. Brother, and they're going to ask Brother David to preach the funeral because he don't preach on Brother David, would you hurry it up a little bit? The plane leaves in 30 minutes, all right? <laughs> amen. What I'm saying is, well, if we'd be more concerned about breaking God's heart, we wouldn't, want, we wouldn't be worried about breaking God's laws. You know what I'm burdened about? And I'm going I'm to write something about this. i got people that I grew up with that are just going the complete opposite direction of how they were raised. Brother Matthew, you know what I'm talking about. We grew up, we didn't grow up together, but we grew up around the same, same things. Same things. And they're going the different direction. I'm talking about preacher's kids. I'm talking about excellent preacher's. Why are they doing that? I'm going to tell you, it goes back to what I preached back in April. They don't love Jesus. If our love's right, that law's going to be right. I tell you, if the Lord's given me a message this year, it's that sermon. If we'll just get our love right, if we'll love Jesus right, 
That law will line up. We ought to love Him right. Amen. i got to hurry. There's the righteous indignation. Verse 14. Wouldst thou not be angry with us till thou hast consumed us till there be no remnant or escaping? Here's what Ezra saying. He said, Lord, if we go back and do this again, you're going to be angry. And you're not going to, you're not, we're not going to escape with a remnant the next time. Well, I preached a Sunday night. That prodigal son went to the far country. And a lot of people think, well, I can go and do what I want to and come back. Everything will be the same. It won't always be the same. There'll always be something different. Thank God you can come back. I don't ever want to preach that sermon. And if I preach all over the country, I don't want to ever preach that you can't come back. You can come back. But the best thing is to never leave. There's the real issue. Verse 15. O Lord God of Israel, thou art righteous. This is the conclusion of the prayer. Thou art righteous. For we remain escaped as it is this day. Behold, we are before thee in our trespasses. Watch this last phrase. For we cannot stand before thee because of this. He said, Lord, we're standing before thee in our trespasses. And if we continue to do what we're doing, we're not going to have any, we're not be able to come before you. Psalm 66. I'm at 21 minutes. I'm going to preach 30 minutes. Let me finish this up tonight. I don't want to have to come back Sunday unless the Lord wants me to. But I want to try to drive this home tonight so we can go be done with it. Psalm 66, 18. We know this verse. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That verse has been taken out of context a lot and been used against God's people to beat them up. Because here's what David prayed. He said, uh, search me, O God. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Okay. There's probably something in David. So did God hear that prayer? Search me, O God. Well, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you got sin in your heart, God ain't going to hear your prayer. That ain't what that verse said. That verse did not say if you have sin in your heart that God won't hear your prayer. That Bible said if I regard iniquity in my heart. That word regard, if you break down the etymology of that word, the word regard, it means to see, to observe, to consider, to look at, to give attention to, to distinguish, meaning it is a sin that God has convicted you about. You know it's wrong. You know it's against God and His Word, but you refuse to get right with God. And you live in rebellion. You constantly protect it. The word regard, you break it down, it means to put a rear guard. You protect it. I don't want nobody preaching on my sin. I know, I know it's wrong. Me and God's okay with this. God said, I'm not going to hear your prayer. He didn't say he could not. He said he would not. I'd hate to know that I had something come up in my life, Miss Janice, and I had to pray. But because I'd been harboring something in my heart that I knew was a sin, that God had used His Word, God had used a sermon, God had done something in my heart to say, hey, that's not right, and you get that right, and I need to get a hold of God. And I tried to pray, and the Lord said, what's that iniquity you're regarding? That's what Ezra saying. He said, Lord, we know this is wrong because you sent prophets and preachers and told us this was wrong and we can't stand before you. Boy, I don't want to... I'd, I'd hate for something to happen where I need to really get a hold of God but because I was harboring my pet sin and making excuses why it's okay for me to do this. Now, you, know, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing, but it's okay for me to get away with this. Nobody gets away with sin, by the way. I'd hate to know that I need to get a hold of God, Brother David. And because I love my sin more than I love my Jesus, I couldn't pray. By the way, when you regard iniquity, you love your sin more than you love Jesus. This is the, the, the compromise. But last of all, there is a discovered consolation. I love, that, I love this in chapter 10. And I ain't going to read all these verses. But this word consolation means the story begins to turn. 
This consolation came through another. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. Will you give me seven minutes? Let me finish up. Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the, before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. Ezra wasn't the only one that was bothered by this. Look at verse 2. And Shanaka, the son of Jehel, the son of, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Watch this phrase. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. This man says, Preacher, you're right. We've taken God's mercy for granted. But there's hope. Aren't you glad when we sin we go against God? There is hope. There is hope. It came through another. It came through an acknowledgement. He said, "We have trespassed. We have taken strange wives." It came with assurance. There is hope. So he develops a covenant. In chapter ten, verses three through five, it involves separation. Verse three. Now, therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such are born of them. He said, "You know what? God's convicted us. We know this is wrong. Let's do something about it." It involves Scripture according to the counsel of my Lord and of those things that tremble at the commandment of our God. Let this thing be done according to Thy law. And it made it, and involved the deliberate choice. Here's what they've done. You read the rest of Ezra chapter number 10, verses 6 through 17. You know what happens? Those priests, those men, those children of Israel that had taken those strange wives that was turning their heart away from God, they got right with God about it. And let's just be honest, they put away their wives. In our mindset, that's horrible. We understand that. But you know what? If they hadn't have disobeyed God to start with, they wouldn't have had to go through that bad, awkward situation. Did you know tonight that obedience to the Word of God will save us from some bad situations? I've got to be careful here because when I, whenever I... And, and it's 7.56, I'm done, okay? I was with a group of preachers and this one preacher was talking and he said, yeah, one of them had commented that the other one's daughter might be getting married soon. You wouldn't know any of these people. And uh, might be getting married soon. He said, yeah. He said, but I don't think that boy's the one. But I'm not going to tell her. I'm going to let the Lord tell her. Well, that sounds real spiritual. That sounds spiritual. But that's like me saying, Daxon going and picking up my 9mm with one in the chamber. I know that ain't good, but I'm going to let the Lord tell him to put that gun down. That's not good parenting. And that's not a good way to live your spiritual life. Well, I know this ain't right, but God ain't convicted me about it. Do you need a conviction when you have a Scripture? Do you have to have somebody tell you it's wrong when the Bible clearly speaks against those things? We're not careful. We'll take God's mercy for granted. I tell you, everyone in this building tonight, from the pulpit to the person on the last few tonight, you've you've experienced more mercy today, Brother Dominic, than what you've even realized. Brother David, you've had more mercy God's shown you today. It's going to take eternity. I guess God's got DVR or something. He's going to rewind and let you see on September the 6th, 2023, where His mercy spared you spared you and kept you safe. All of us tonight, I can say that. God's been merciful to us. And I don't want to be guilty of taking that for granted and saying, well, you know, 
yeah, I have a flesh I struggle with. I have a sin nature. But you know what? If I know it's wrong, I ought to not make provision for the flesh. I ought not go down that road. If I know that road's going to mess me up, I ought not walk down that road. Because I don't want to break the heart of God. Let's not be guilty of taking the mercy of God for granted. But I'm glad when we do fail, there is hope. We can get right. But it comes down to making a choice and making a commitment to God. We ought not make vows to God. We ought to make commitments. Say, Lord, by Your grace, I don't want to break Your heart again. I don't want to do that again. Lord, would You please help me? Lord, would You put a Scripture in my mind? When I go to do that, maybe memorize a verse of Scripture. When I go to do that, bring that Scripture back to my mind. And that's, by the way, God ain't going to just do that by osmosis. You've got to read it. You've got to study it. You've got to put in the effort. It takes a choice. It takes commitment. But God, would You help me? I don't want to break Your heart. I don't want to do that again. I don't want to take the mercy of God for granted. Let's stand. I appreciate your attention while we try to deliver our burden tonight. His battle eyes closed, but the Matthew's gonna come and play a